quits, I'll keep on working on this I'm working hard on this It's plain obvious it is Oh, oh dive, oh, dive into oh. Hi there and welcome. You're listening to the Diving In podcast, brought to you by Virginia Seymour and Louise Jones. This podcast is part of a lifelong conversation between friends about the books we're reading and the issues they make us think about. That also goes for the movies and television we're watching and the podcasts we're currently hooked on. We might even talk about what's in the news and anything else we're diving into this week. Diving in. Hello, Louise. Hello. Hello, divers. Lou and I are back sitting in her study. We've got cups of tea and beautiful Florentine biscuits from the little bakery. And it's very early morning because Lou is jumping on a plane today, which I'm a bit envious about. Yes, I'm not going far. I'm not going far, (laughs) but I am looking forward to it. (laughs) So we've thrown out the theme rule book today. We have. And we are themeless. We decided that we wanted to catch up on some books that we've been really wanting to read. So we decided that this episode we would just read whatever we wanted rather than sticking to one topic. Perfect. But we've had some lovely feedback this week. I was just going to read out one or two lovely messages that we received because we get so many nice messages from people. Yes, we do. So I just selected two. One is from India, Jenny, and she wrote on our Instagram, I enjoyed listening to your pod today. I am in for the Graham Greene episode, Lou, one of my favourite writers. I do wonder if people read him today still. Would love your take on his novels. I think she's got a point. I'm not sure how many people read him, but, you know, sometimes it's good to go back to other writers. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure that people do, but I'd really love to. Yeah, yeah I'd love to go back. Yeah. So that was a lovely message from India Jenny. And then we had one from Tina's Book Corner and she wrote, I enjoyed it though I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. I'm currently rereading them for the millionth time. The audiobook narrated by Stephen Fry is excellent and is fast becoming one of my favourite audiobooks of all time. I've been a mystery lover since childhood when my dad gave me Nancy Drew and Trixie Belden. That just really spoke to me because I I can completely relate to that. Trixie Belden, blast from the past. I know. So I got out my uh, Audible, I brought up Audible to see uh, what the Stephen Fry uh, reading is, and he does this amazing one. It's something like, 72 hours (laughs) where he reads about five of I think it starts with the first ever book study in Scarlet I think is the first one it's such good value because it's only one credit and you get them all and you get about five wow Mm, with beautiful Stephen Fry's adaptation or I think it's the whole thing wow yeah 72 hours or something like that so yeah imagine doing that that's worth if you're on audible and you want to get value for your one credit there's a good yeah good trick yeah And we received a recent message from Sue, who is a huge fan of the podcast and and also a very big supporter. She's always sending supportive messages to us, which is lovely. And she said she's catching up on episodes at the moment and working backwards, but I have ignored your advice and gone straight to Dublin Murders on SBS without reading first. Just a joy listening to you both. I must admit, I think I might do that as well if I had been listening. I might have gone straight to that. Yeah, Yeah, I don't blame Sue for doing that at all. (laughs) So, 
as I mentioned, we don't have a theme, so we just picked anything that we felt like reading off the mm. bookcase. So what did you read first, though? Well, I've been dying to read Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshi, published by Hamish Hamilton. Some of you may have seen this book with a different title, Girl in White Cotton. That's the name of the book it, uh, as it was first published in India. Look, where do I start with this book? I finished it almost a week ago, and I, I'm genuinely still thinking about it. I'm oh. really affected by it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost tingling from it. The book opens with a young married woman, Antara, who says she would be lying if her mother's misery didn't sometimes give her pleasure, which seems to be an unspeakably harsh thing to say uh, until you read the next line, which I'm going to read to you. I suffered at her hands as a child and any pain she subsequently endured appeared to me to be a kind of redemption, a rebalancing of the universe where the rational order of cause and effect aligned. But now I can't even the tally between us. Oh, wow. And th the story of the book is really the inner turmoil and the emotional battle within Antara. She is enduring this very deep resentment towards her mother, but she has to balance that with her obligation towards her as her mother deteriorates from Alzheimer's and the attendant dementia. And what the author manages to do in this book is to really lay bare things that many people often think but do not dare say. Yes. It's really raw. It's really honest. And because it's so raw and honest, Antara is at times as deeply unlikable as her mother. Yes. So they live in Pune, in the state of Maharashtra in India, Western India. Mumbai is the capital of that state. And 30 years prior, Antara's mother, Tara, has married with her new baby in tow. And she's deeply dissatisfied in her marriage. She's bored. She's unsettled. She has a very controlling and prescriptive mother-in-law. And she lives with Tara and her husband. So Tara decides to leave the marriage and she joins an ashram in Pune with Antara, who is about three. And Tara becomes completely enamored by the guru, Baba, who runs the ashram. Uh, he's a giant of a man. He, he's literally eight feet tall. And she loses herself in devotion to this man. Her family are obviously not happy. They're quite well off. And although her mother and Tara's grandmother had expressed concerns about her marriage, it is, of course, frowned upon when she decides to leave it. Mm. And Tara pretty much abandons her small child in the ashram. She's sort of occupied with the guru, his sermons on desire and joy, and she ignores Antara and leaves her to the care of others. And, of course, memory is a the theme of this book, one of the major themes of this book. And she's a very young child when she arrives in the ashram, around three, but she does remember being picked up from the floor, dehydrated, mm -hmm. not having eaten for days, and her distress at not having seen her mother and wondering where her mother was. And she also has quite strong feelings that developed for an American woman who was also at the ashram, who sort of ended up caring for her and becoming her friend. I'm not going to say any more about the ashram and the characters there or her mother's awful behaviour towards her, but they do leave it eventually. They do leave the ashram. There are things in this book to say about how uncomfortable we feel about a woman who chooses to neglect motherhood and her mm. child, you know, reject motherhood. But then equally uncomfortable things that we feel about a daughter that resists her obligation to her mother. Yes. And that's really the bind 
of this book. That's the bind that Antara finds herself in. She's an artist as an adult. She sketches. She started doodling as a young child. She got into a lot of trouble about that. I'm not going to go into that part of the book. But you sense that it it was always her therapy. And of course, the artwork that she's created over the years is a record of her life. And it's possibly a more reliable record than her own memories and her mother's memories. And like many truths, the art and what it reveals is also a trigger in their relationship. But I'm not going to give anything away there, but it plays a role. There's a cast of other characters in the book. There's a sort of ineffectual grandmother. She has a very nice, bland husband. She sort of has a self-focused father who sort of has barely been in her life because, of course, she was taken away from him. But those characters, they come and go and they seem a bit blurry at times and she's sort of disconnected from them in some respects. But I think that's a deliberate sort of device because those people are not capable of anything more than a very superficial appreciation of the complexity of the relationship between these two women. The writing is just brilliant. I cannot believe it is wow. her first book. It's simultaneously excruciating but exquisite. That's how that Gosh, just that sums it up so for me. Good. It will not be for everyone. So it does come with a warning, but I just loved it. It was long-listed for the 2020 Booker Prize and it was long-listed for the Women's Prize for Fiction this year. Wow. It's so brave, isn't it, to write things that people aren't willing to say. Yeah. I mean, so brave. And the way she captures it in... In just a sentence. Mm. it's She's truly gifted. At, you know, you, I'd love to, I can't wait to see what she writes next. Yeah. So that's Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshni, published by Hamish Hamilton, but it's also published as Girl in White Cotton. Gosh, that sounds fantastic. What about you? What okay. have you read? Well, after you mentioned uh, We Begin at the End by Chris Whitaker, in our last episode, I dashed out and drove across town and got my hot little hands on a copy (laughs) (laughs) because I just, you know, just really wanted to read it. It sounds so good. And it's, I loved it. It's very gripping. This is set in California in a town where the local policeman has never left. And he's still living in the same house where he grew up with his parents. And a terrible event happened 30 years earlier. I think you mentioned them all doing the walk. Yes. uh, Looking for clues. It was quite distinctive that Oh, image wasn't such it, an the opening, yeah. yeah. And you just knew they were going to find something, yeah. you know. And that, that event just changed everything in the town and it changed everything for the police chief. And one of the police chief's childhood friends is, at the start of the book, he's coming out of jail after 30 years. Mm. So it's a sort of a stranger comes to town who's not really a stranger but also really is a stranger. Yes. It's an yeah. interesting it's an interesting conflict for them all as to how they cope with that. And so we follow Police Chief Walker, who's a good guy. He's very upstanding and honest, but he's grappling with some issues of his own. And then we also follow a young 13-year-old girl named Duchess, who is effectively in loco parentis to her Mm -hmm. five-year-old brother, Robin, because their mother is just not capable of looking after them and a violent crime occurs in the present time which affects both Duchess and her little brother and the police chief and he tries to get to the bottom of what really happened because someone takes responsibility for the crime in circumstances that just don't add up. Yes, don't feel right, do they? Yeah, it's very complex and 
clever. I think mm. it's clever in that way, the way it it's like a, um, a ropey knot. It's yes, <laughs> yes. And it's very twisty and there are lots of dubious characters, um, but there are also some very heartwarming characters. Mm. There's a beautiful Dolly Parton-esque yes. character yes. named Dolly. Yes, she's great, um, isn't she? I just adored her and I think everyone would love yes. her. Who's not, what's not to love about a Dolly? And you're kind <laughs> of hoping that you see her at the end of the yeah, book, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, just hoping? you just yeah. <laughs> Bring Dolly back. <laughs> and then there's a very cute boy with a disabled hand mm. who I just adored as well. I just loved him. The neighbourhood is very quirky and some of the residents are very colourful, some in a creepy sort of way. Yes. The young girl, Duchess, is ultra sassy, but she's also very sad. Uh, she tells everyone that she's an outlaw, which is her way of coping in a very chaotic and deprived environment and she just absolutely broke my heart I just I thought um, she was beautifully drawn though to me she was the standout character in the book I thought she was extraordinarily conceived as a character he he just created this living breathing real person absolutely you could see I couldn't she was extraordinary goodness it was so well done Mm. I just I thought he did such a beautiful job and the little brother Robin yeah. who was just the personification of goodness yes he was he was yeah. innocent and yes. pure and yeah so I I thought he did a wonderful job it was interesting as a non-American I did have a lot of trouble picturing this place which made it hard for me to wrap my head around it because the sense of place and the description of, of where everything was is quite integral to the story yes and I just could not work it out. There were cliffs that were falling down mm. and houses falling into the ocean. On the beach side, they were falling down. Yes. Yeah. Which And so I was sort of picturing, well, we've seen images yes. of that. But then there were people going swimming. So I, yes. I couldn't quite wrap my head around how the cliffs came down to the beach. But, you know, that's yeah. my thing. But then I couldn't tell what sort of houses were just sort of falling into the ocean. Mm. And yet the land was still really valuable. Yes. I thought it was the land on the other side of the road so that they would have the views because the houses on the beach side had all fallen down. Yeah. But you're right, where was the stability there? It was, yeah. I, I understand. I that, sort of thought, yeah. well, that, that's yeah. only going to be okay for a certain... <laughs> if, if these are all falling into the yes. ocean... And yeah. you did mention a breakwater at one point, but it, it didn't quite work yes. for me. But that, I didn't let that bother no. me. And, and the parts that were set in Montana, I could picture that so easily. Yes, I thought, I thought was that was beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. The sky yeah, and the big fields and, and it was so far away, the distance. Yes, um, I felt the distance. Yeah. yeah. I didn't understand the title at all. Do you understand the title? We begin at the end. And it's something one of the grandfathers says. but I, I Yes, don't. it is. It is what the grandfather says to them. I could stab a guess, but if I was to you say what it is, I'll, revealing give, a I'll reveal the okay, spoiler. Maybe tell me yeah. that so we don't do it on air. <laughs> but um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Very gritty. Not as gritty as my other book, though, but a really good twisty book. I also did work out the twists. Yes. Very early on. Yes. Like, sort of immediately. Yes. I thought they were very easy to figure yeah. out. But it's possible that I'm just getting better. <laughs> I think you are, Virginia. I think you are. It's a big book, though, isn't it? It is, It, you, it yes. sort of propels you oh, into more so twists. So propulsive yes. and gripping. Loved it, loved it, loved yeah, it. Yeah, no, great book. Yeah, great yeah. book. What was your second book, Lou? Well, I'm going to talk about two little books as if they were one, the reason for which will become obvious. The Japanese author Toshikazu Kawaguchi, 
apologies to any Japanese people if my pronunciation is off. He has two books, Before the Coffee Gets Cold and Before the Coffee Gets Cold, Tales from the Cafe. And these books, the two of them, are about a 100-year-old cafe in Tokyo, fictional 100-year-old cafe in Tokyo with a quirky little name, Funicular Funiculi, and it's hidden away down some steps so you may not know about it unless someone had told you to go there. And in each of the books, they're very, very short books. They're only about 180 pages each. And in each of the books, there are four chapters. And each one is about a character and their motivations for visiting the cafe. The reason for that will become clear if I tell you that the cafe offers people an opportunity for time travel. So you can go back in time subject to a number of conditions. Uh, Now, all of the stories in the book are very pared back and simple. And upon the character entering the cafe, you instantly have this really very simple image of the cafe. It's got about nine little tables with seats. There's a counter with a kitchen behind. There's a waitress, Kazoo. She's 29. She's always there. And she seems to know why everyone is is coming, even before you step in. And she has a special connection to the cafe, which I'm not going to tell you about. And then there's also the older cafe owner, Nagaya, and occasionally his younger daughter, Miki, is there as well. She comes and goes. And there may be a patron or two in the cafe, or it may be empty, but you find out when you read both books that there's always a purpose for the patron being there and there's a connection. You know, everybody in this book has a place, but there's nobody who is surplus to requirements in the book at all. So the time travel for anybody that wishes to go back in time, you have to observe some rules. And Kazu the waitress always explains the rules to you, and I'm just going to read the rules. The first rule, the only people who you can meet while in the past are those who have visited the cafe. If the person you want to meet has never visited the cafe, you can return to the past, but you cannot meet them. The second rule, there is nothing you can do while in the past that will change the present. Hearing this one is a real letdown for most people, and normally they leave in disappointment. That is because most customers who want to return to the past are wishing to fix past deeds. Very few customers still want to travel back after they realise they can't change reality. The third rule There is only one seat that allows you to go back in time, but another customer is sitting on it. The only time you can sit there is when that customer goes to the toilet. That customer will always go once a day, but no one can predict when that will be. The fourth rule, while in the past, you cannot move from your seat. If you do, you will be pulled back to the present by force. That means that while you are in the past, there is no way to leave the cafe. And the fifth rule, your stay in the past begins when the coffee is poured and it must end before the coffee gets oh. cold. Moreover, the coffee cannot be poured by just anyone. It must be poured by Kazu Tokita, and that's the waitress. Oh, that sounds so good. And that's sort of, I've pretty much told you, yes, bear the rules, that that's the scene. Yes. Um, so even when there are no patrons in the cafe, there is always a woman sitting at a table and the same table and she's reading a book. In the Tales from the Cafe book, the first person to choose to time travel is Gohataro. He's a 50-year-old man who wishes to go back in time to see his best friend Chushi, who has died, and whose daughter Goharo has raised as his own. 
The second is a young man, Yukio. He's a ceramicist. He wishes to go back and see his mother who has died without him knowing that she was ill. The third is a young man who wants to see the young woman he didn't marry. And, and the final one is a detective who couldn't save his own wife. Oh, they sound so uh, good. And look, it isn't just as simple as going back to see these important people in their lives. There's something they're trying to achieve, albeit within the rules, and a little bit similar to my last book. But I think my, if I had a theme today, it would be about people being in a bind. Yes. And it presents them with something of a bind, what it is that they're trying to achieve. The stories are perhaps a little bit sentimental and they're also quite sort of conservative, but they're charming. Yeah. And, and they manage to convey a lot with very, very simple stories, and especially given that they've been translated from the Japanese. And there's a parable quality to oh, them. Oh, I love that sort yeah. of thing. And it's interesting because, as I said earlier, the, the image for me of the cafe you know, was very strong right from the get-go. And I've reflected it's because you're always in that location. I mean, that's the only yeah. scene in the book and you're repeatedly yes. visiting it with each new patron. So it wasn't a surprise to me when I learned that the books were, in fact, a stage play. I was just about to say yeah. they would yeah. make a great play. Yes, well, they were initially a play, not a oh. book, and they've now been turned into a book. I think it was a very popular play and, and the author is a is a playwright but you do, you really get the sense of an ensemble of players yes. and the people sitting in the chairs yep. and yep. there are the fixtures that are always and looking there. innocent when you walk in but when you know more you realize they're not yes yes they're not just anybody no yeah no and how they reveal why they're there and, yeah. and so th I'd really recommend them they've had quite a lot of coverage on insta recently yes. haven't they yes there's a, the gold one is the Tales from the Cafe and Before the Coffee Gets Cold, the, the original is the blue one. Oh, that explains yeah, the different they're colours. they're very pretty covers. Co but I'll, I've got the other one as well. I'll um, put them on our feed as well because they're and they're, oh. and they're a really quick read. So You do fun. this to me, Louise. So now that's three books I really want to read. <laughs> <laughs> you do it to me too. Look at those books. Oh, behind. Yeah, they're know, pretty much all I yours. Know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what is your second uh, book? So my other book that I... I just picked this up. I wasn't really sure. It's got a, a very attractive cover. It's it does, called doesn't it? Acts of Desperation by Megan Nolan. And it was sent to me by Penguin Random House. And they sent me this beautiful box of books. And I have to say, all of them look really good. So I'm just sort of grabbing any one and starting it and reading it because they're just fabulous. And it's lots of short chapters. It reminds me a little bit of a Sally Rooney novel. Although after I finished this, I read an interview with Megan Nolan in The Guardian and the interviewer mentions Sally Rooney and Megan Nolan rejects that comparison completely. But I do think there's a similarity there. Mm. They're both Irish and it does have a very strong Irish flavour. This one is excoriatingly honest and mm. raw. We've had a bit of that today. Yes. it's <laughs> That probably is our theme, actually. It's described as anti-romance. Ah. And it's a young girl um, living in Ireland, working, and she's recounting the arc of her relationship with a guy named Kieran. So she's young, she's in her 20s, she's living in a bedsit when she meets him at an art gallery, and she immediately falls head over heels in love with him. He's very tall and he's very, very beautiful. And he seems to fall in love with her too. 
she is a girl who has body image issues. Mm. She drinks an awful lot. She has lots of other issues, family issues and issues about herself. She has a pretty unstimulating job, but she's almost obsessive about Kieran. And Kieran has come out of another relationship with another girl and it becomes apparent that he's sort of still perhaps a bit in love with this Mm. other girl who did the dirty on him. Uh, He's very moody and he doesn't treat the main character well at all. He's very labile in his moods. So he's really great one moment and they're having a fabulous time and then she might say something that irritates him or something that bothers him and then the whole thing will go south. And she just documents the whole thing sort of like a diary but better than a diary, I think. The writing is so good. So the young girl's lack of career or really anything else in her life is not healthy and it's sort of symptomatic, I think, of sort of a deeper sort of existential issue that that she has. And then that, that lack of having anything of her own or anything that she's working towards sort of is what steers her into this unhealthy relationship. And it's kind of a manual for what not to do. Mm. And there are times when you're reading and you're just thinking, why are you with this guy? Yeah. And, of course, we all know people that do that or we've done that mm. and her love for him and her obsession with him sort of overrides her common sense and her ability to see that perhaps he's not the best thing for her. So the whole thing makes for very gritty reading, I would say, and it's quite explicit. It's quite explicit about their sex life. So if you don't like that sort of thing, this book is not for you. In fact, really, there are all the content warnings. There's self-harm. There are issues of consent. So that's a big content warning, more more really one sort of seen towards the end. And it's really quite a painful story and very interior. And I have to say, it's not really the sort of book that normally I no, would... No, I'm sitting here yeah, thinking, yeah. this is not Virginia's... <laughs> what, what have you done with Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> She's just read a crime book. <laughs> yeah, a, gritty crime book. a gritty crime book and then a gritty... <laughs> Modern. A modern angst, young yes. teenager with all the content warnings. <laughs> I know. But the right I'm just a sucker for good mm. writing. I'm Where su- has Bertie <laughs> and Jeeves gone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, I loved it. I, and Excellent. it's incredibly propulsive. Yeah, I want to read it's, that. You just have to find out. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you know what's coming as you're reading it, you can sort of see this is this is not great. I know it, it's not something I should say, so I apologise, but I just devour anything Irish because I just think they can lay bare, you know, relationships and they're just the way they write. It's just, yes. I shouldn't say they, but, I, yeah, but really, such a talent. And coming back to your theme of writing things that people don't normally, are not willing to say, yeah. Yeah. this girl yeah. does this beautifully. Yes. So it's her debut. Yeah, when incredible. I was reading it, I was thinking, gosh, this has to be very autobiographical because it's just so interior and granular. Mm. In the interview, she says there's no Kieran in her life, but I I just felt that there was, she's a very keen observer, I think, of her own generation mm. and there's possibly some personal stuff in there because it's just so 
bare and raw and And do you so think well it done. will stand the test of time? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, know. with the relationship books, whether they have a universal... Yes. And I mean, it's got universal themes in it, but yes. it sounds very modern and, and very... Yes, and whether in... 20 years' time, people say, why did women put up with things like that back then? There were such yes. doormats. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know no. how things are going to go. But I, I think people will gobble it up. I think young people would just mm. love it. I'm surprised that I loved it as mm. much as I did, but I, I loved it. I mm. absolutely loved it. I thought it was really, really well done. I, if it hadn't been for the beautiful writing, I might have found it yes. too hard to read. And I just loved her honesty. There's just yes. something so attractive, isn't there, Absolutely. about raw honesty. Mm. You just can't mm. turn away from mm. that. Um, well, we just admire people saying things that we want to say ourselves yeah. but perhaps haven't yeah, I just had the courage to do enormously. so. So that's Acts of Desperation by Megan Nolan. Mm. Loved it. So Louise and I uh, had an idea for a future theme because we, we love thinking about our future themes yes. even though this week we were themeless and one of the themes we've decided to do is where we're each going to give the other a book that we think the other one hasn't read that we loved and we want we hope the other one will love yes. so we don't know if this is going to work we don't know and <laughs> it doesn't matter I don't have any expectations I loved it I hope that you will yes. enjoy it. So we've kept it as a surprise. Mine's in my bag. Yes, mine's behind so, uh, me. Will I give you mine now? Yes. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. So that's the one I've chosen for you. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Oh, lovely. Love and Treasure by, is it Ireland Waldman? Yes, yes. Oh. So she <gasps> is... Hungary. Mm. Yeah, so I'm reluctant to say this, but it will sort of give you an idea about her. She is married to Michael Chabon. Oh, yes. And I follow them on Instagram and she is such a beautiful writer. It's a really moving and beautiful story. I think I think you will like it. Anyway, I, I hope you will. I will. Well, my book for you is here. Have you read it? No. No. Oh. Oh, that is, I've been wanting to read this forever. Have you? Okay, good, because I, I really enjoyed it. And you know how much I loved A Suitable Boy. So this is Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. Oh, my God, Lou, that is fantastic. So it's the boy who is born on the stroke of midnight when partition. At the exact moment of partition. Mm. Oh, this is fantastic, And it's Lou. Got, got some magical realism in it because there's this special connection between oh. all the people that were born at the same time. I think we've done a good job. Th- okay, good. I'm, I'm really looking yeah, forward to I this. Yeah, I was nervous. Love I thought you might no, look no. at it and say, I've read it. <laughs> I was nervous as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Well, And it's not quite as long as A Suitable Boy. So, yeah. So yeah. What, what are we going to do? We're going to give each other. I think we might do it in a couple of episodes' yeah, time perfect. because perfect. these are big books. So, oh, it's um, exciting. But that's fun. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you, Lou. Okay, so I'm down to do a life hack today. Yes. So <laughs> I was sort of trying to think of a life hack for today and I, you know, thought about my own life. So my life hack today is be a squeaky wheel. Oh, yes. And for some people that's very easy because people, some people on the spectrum of squeakiness are very squeaky. I'm on the spectrum of not wanting to squeak at all. I think you should explain for people because mo- most people will know what you mean. But. Yeah, so people who are willing to be a bit pushy or ask for speak what up. they want, speak up, 
follow things up quickly. Uh, and it's just come up for me because I've got a medical thing and I'm actually wanting to get in to see a doctor and I and I've sort of had a bit of a you know, the referral didn't get sent by the GP and I mm. left it for an hour or two and rang back and then it hadn't been faxed and I had to push a bit and then I had to ring the other lady. Possibly and say, because they're still using faxes. <laughs> <laughs> of course doctors in Australia are still using faxes. I mean, <laughs> that in itself is funny speaks enough. Volumes. It speaks volumes. And, th- and they had three possible methods of sending it. It was fax or email or some health net or something. And I thought, well, why would you even keep the fax system when you've got these other mods? Anyway, <laughs> it's all online. That's another, that's another whole story. But anyway, I, I really had to be a bit of a squeaky wheel, which is very much against my nature. <laughs> mm. And I'm just having to push ahead. I haven't actually got my appointment, but we'll get there. <laughs> Just going to keep being a bit of a squeaky wheel. Yeah, I think it's a good one. Speak up. Yeah. Don't hold back. Yeah. If you're not naturally good at that, I think I'm here to tell you today you can go and be a squeaky wheel. I think we've got a lot to learn from the younger generation. They are much better at speaking up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think our generation were mm. you know, taught to be polite and yes. not, not be pushy and don't yes. push in and wait mm. your turn. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a writing tip, Ruth? I do, I do. I'm sort of changing gears a little bit. I thought I would refer to Kate Grenville. She uh, is an Australian author of many books. We reviewed her uh, A Room Made of Leaves yeah. last year, I think in our maybe episode 25, Homegrown Heroes. Um, she also wrote The Secret River, Sarah Thornhill, The Lieutenant. 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 I've done it again. <laughs> I think I called it Lieutenant at the time, didn't I? And, you know, like even in my notes I've actually put an F in there to remind me and I still said Lieutenant. Anyway, never mind. But she also writes books about writing. She wrote the writing book and then she's also written this one that I have here that I've actually had for 20 years oh. and, and haven't produced a novel <laughs> in those 20 years. But, anyway, this is called Writing from Start to Finish, a six step guide uh, and she wrote it in 2001. Oh, I love the sound of a six step guide. I know. This book is still available and I think the reason it's still available is it's extremely accessible. I won't say it's dumbed down but it it, it has lots of diagrams and lists and bullet points. It's just a really accessible book and the one thing I wanted to talk about today and she sort of references lots of other writers when she talks about index cards. They're commonly used when you're writing screenplays. If you jot all of your ideas down on index cards, a single idea per index card, and you shuffle them up, you will start to see patterns and connections between your ideas. Whereas if you put them all down on one page, you can't mix them up. So it's, it's, it's a really small simple idea I love that but it's fantastic and they do it a lot with screenplays so you you know you might be writing down you might have an idea for a character or you might have an idea for you know part of the plot and you you shuffle all your cards up and you can start to see patterns and also it would make you think a bit more laterally about timing so something that you might have naturally put at the end you might move to the beginning and have that as the exactly so you might normally have ordered things in a particular Mm. order but you're right yeah by moving things around you're you're basically putting important pieces of information into sizable pieces yeah and then you can make them come into view from a different frame of reference so it's a really 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 good idea so that's my little writing tip yeah i love that one 
And what else have you been diving into? Uh, well, <laughs> I am a big fan, as you know, of the Netflix series Call My Agent. Oh, yes. Which I absolutely love. And there is a new comedy series, French comedy series on Netflix called Family Business. Oh, and it's got a couple of the cast members oh. from Call My Agent, which is what attracted me to it. I sort of saw yes. them on the promo and I thought, oh, I've got to watch that. And it's a it's a very sort of black comedy about a family. The father is a butcher and they have a butcher's shop in France. Uh, it's a pretty gourmet-looking butcher's shop to me, but nevertheless, his wife has died. And since she's died, the business has been going down the gurgler. He has a grown-up daughter who seems to be the most sensible member of the family, but she wants to leave the family and go to live with with her girlfriend in Japan, and that leaves his son, who he decides to transfer the business to, notwithstanding the fact that they're about to file for bankruptcy. <laughs> um, and the son doesn't want to be a butcher. He has dreams of making it big. Uh, and in the first episode, honestly, it was laugh out loud, the son has got all sorts of ideas, and his latest idea is this app. And he's with his friend trying to pitch the app to investors. <laughs> and the app is an app for when you're on the phone to somebody that you don't really want to talk to <laughs> and you want to make an excuse. And so what you do is you say, I'm going into a tunnel <laughs> and the word tunnel triggers the app. Triggers the app. Oh, I love it. And it sort of automatically... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you get out of that would be a hit. And the scene of him trying to pitch this to the investors is hilarious. Needless to say, they kick him out the door. Anyhow, he and his friend bump into a, a girl that they've known previously and she's the daughter of the current health minister in France and uh, she's a bit of a psycho. And she happens to drop that her father is about to legalise cannabis. All oh, right. So, of course, yes. as you can imagine, there's a business opportunity, there's a business there. opportunity <laughs> and they decide that the butcher shop needs to become <laughs> a, a front for a cannabis operation. Yeah. Anyway, that is the series. It's very, very oh, funny. It so has good. some sort of quite dark moments as well. <laughs> uh, and the grandmother is also a fantastic character and she's one of the actresses in oh, Call I, My Agent. I've so to watch that. That's family fantastic. business. What about you? What have you been diving um, into? I uh, was listening to an episode of a podcast called Feel Better, Live More with a guy called Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Mm. And I think my sister put me onto his book and he's a British doctor. I haven't, I j literally only just discovered this podcast and I was scrolling down having a look at it because I, I think I decided, you know, instead of, uh, you know, a true crime, gory podcast I need to sort of put pleasant things in mm. my mind and I need to I need to put health and well-being first <laughs> <laughs> so I was scrolling through this trying to find something to listen to and I found an interview with a guy called James Nestor who wrote a book called oh, Breath yes and that came out in 2020 and I listened to a really interesting interview that he did when it came out and thought to myself I must get that book because it's a bit of an issue for me. I'm a hyperventilator and I've got lung issues. and blah, blah, blah. But then I forgot about it and I hadn't bought it or got it on audio. And it's a really long episode. It's I think it's over two hours. So I just listened to it in parts. But James Nestor has just gone back to basics, basically, mm. and looked at our breathing, our nose breathing, the shape of our palates, how we've developed over the past few hundred years, chewing food, masticating food, 
uh, eating too much soft food has changed our palate. Wow, yes. He goes into snoring and how that's really bad for us and, and why and our sleep and how many breaths per minute we should be doing. We should be doing a lot less breaths per minute than the American guidelines outline on there. So we do a lot of shallow breathing. Shallow breathing is really bad for us. We're not getting good oxygen. When we're breathing through our mouths, it's not good oxygenated air. So it's not filtered. Are just yeah. A nightmare yeah, yeah, for this. Mm. Yeah. So I found the whole thing completely fascinating and it's he's talked to scientists and it's so it's a very science based episode he talks about asthma so if you've got any interest in this area at all i think a this interview would be good and then i think it would probably lead people to go and buy this book which i'm now going to do because i thought it sounded fantastic and does he have exercises that you can uh yes he does i've i've clicked on and there's a a youtube video of him doing things and yeah he's got lots of stuff Mm, it's really really good yeah really good so if that's of interest to you you might like that one so that's it for our freestyle episode. We hope you enjoyed our mixed bag of books. I've now got three more books that I need to add to my TBR. <laughs> We'd love for you to leave us a review on your social media. We need some new reviews, I've we decided, do. and we some do. ratings. And that helps us find more people to join our audience. And we'd also love you to share us in your social media or just tell a friend because we really do love finding new book lovers to join mm, we do. our conversations. So we'll see you again soon. Bye. We really enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening and thank you for all your lovely reviews too. If you want to know more about today's books or anything else we've talked about, you'll find them in the show notes. And we feature most of the books on our Instagram page too at diving underscore in underscore podcast. And if you'd like to share any books that you've been diving into, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hello at divinginpodcast.com. Bye for now. Breaking up, shaping up, working it down.